Hey everyone, welcome back to my first season. Greg and I have never met, but he did interview my brother-in-law, Boone, in an earlier episode. My first season was in Club Med Cancun in 2013 as a water ski and wakeboard geo. A couple of fun facts about me. Fact number one, I competed in the Junior Olympics in downhill skiing. Fact number two, I met my husband in Turks and Caicos while on vacation in 2012 and then got married there in 2019. And fact number three, I have my own podcast called Crazy Over Easy, as well as a health and wellness website. I'm also publishing my very first book that is actually launching in August, 2022. My name is Carly Ann, and this is my first season. Hey, Carly, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Good. I can't believe I got you on, you know, like you were, you were referred to me by a very good friend of mine, uh, I guess knows you too. And she said, well, look, uh, she has a podcast, you have a podcast. So why don't you two get together? So I uh, thank yeah. you for coming on the show. I'm like, of course, this is awesome. It's so fun to, yeah, jump on other people's podcasts. And obviously with, you know, the club med history of just randomly knowing people, I, I love it. I think it's so awesome. And it's not often my guests have their own podcast. So I was able to listen to a few of yours. Sorry, I downloaded and then listened to not just listen, I downloaded them. But, I appreciate that. Yes, no, no. But I have to say, because when I had Boone on your brother in law, Boone, because everyone knows Boone, he, he recounted this crazy story, like full circle moment of meeting some, you know, and then which involved you, but I hadn't known about you yet. So, you know, and I already know about most of your story. So true or false, you were conceived in Club Med. True. Actually, when, you know, going back to the intro of this, I was actually conceived in Turks and Caicos. And so when I met Casey there on vacation, it was just obviously like, and at that time it was totally just like a, Hey, you know, cute guy on the beach, like nothing at the time I was with my girlfriends. But when you look back at the history now of being conceived there, meeting Casey there, and then ending up getting married there, it's just, <laughs> it's a wild story, but I think it's so awesome. Well, I, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take exception to the word cute. I've seen photos of your husband and uh, he's a good looking son of a gun, isn't he? <laughs> he? You know, and then you, you tie in that Turks beach and the sailboats yeah. in the background and with him, you know, casually pulling a boat up on the beach and you're like, okay, yeah. like, I think I could hang out here for a couple more hours. Yeah. This with that long, beautiful brown hair. <laughs> yeah. He was, he's like a brunette me. He's a brunette me. Oh. In Club Med. Okay. Or oh, at least, really? at least I, I'm telling myself that. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And he still has the long hair and you know, he, that's his question. He's like, when do you think it's like, you know, appropriate to no longer, or like, you know, is it still appropriate to have this? And in my head, I'm like, heck yeah. You know, I still think of 10 years ago and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's you. That's right. That hair is the only reason why we're still married. No, just kidding. Right? I know the hair and the bandana, just, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't drop those. <laughs> So normally I ask people, you know, uh, where, what were you doing? Uh, where did you, you know, were you working, go to school? How'd you find out about Club Med? But with you um, taking it, both your parents were GOs. Yeah. So they actually did nine years. So that's how they met. And I, you know, I'm not entirely sure which season they met. I'm pretty sure my dad started a year or two before my mom. And I think it was my mom's like third season. And then they actually ended up getting married and continuing with Club Med. And so I actually spent my first three years of my life with them. My dad was doing interim chief of the village for, gosh, probably the first three years of my life. He was chief of sports some of the time. And then, so my mom has informed me I was in eight, eight different countries before the age of three. And then we moved home back to Lake Stevens, Washington when I was three and I guess you can say started life here. My parents definitely said it was a transition, you know, nine years in club med, then moving home to not only be married, but married with a kiddo. So that was kind of all of our, you know, travels growing up were to club med. Both my parents continued with the recruiting process, which kind of kept them just in the loop. And that was all of our family vacations were going back to club med. So I feel like it was just ingrained in me, but I'm also a homebody. So I was like, oh, I'll never do that. Like I'll never become a geo. It was just you know, fun experiences while traveling. And then I guess, like they say, never say never. What did your mom do in Clement again? So she, gosh, she did a bit of everything. She was chief hostess back then. It wasn't, it was, you know, geos did all of that. And then she did fitness. That was her like primary part of club med was running the fit, like all of fitness classes. So that was her, I feel like after over nine years, you tend to, I mean, I did three years and I feel like I was all over the place. So nine years, she did a bit of everything. Fitness was definitely her primary one. And then being chief hostess. 
Now, before you joined Clement, you finished a, a degree, correct? You went to I school? did. Yeah. So I'm very type A. I am somebody who I love having a plan and uh, being from a small town. I think that's just kind of maybe it's not ingrained in me because of the small town, but that was just me. It was always kind of like you do this, then this, then this. And I think I also love having structure to my life, if you will. And school is structure. So I went to the University of Washington here in Seattle, graduated from there with my degree in early childhood and family studies, and then continued on to get my master's in school counseling. And after a year of my master's program, I dropped out. (laughs) That was when I applied for Club Med. So it was interesting because I feel like most families would maybe not try to talk you out of dropping out of grad school, but would definitely question you. And when I, I remember specifically, it was the spring quarter of my first year. And I had just gotten back from Turks with all of my girlfriends. Half of us were in, you know, in accounting grad school programs. Some of us are in education grad school programs. And so in our head, it was our last hurrah before, you know, full-time internships and positions. And I just came home and I was like, oh, I think I need to leave. And my parents were ecstatic. Like they were just like, yes, go use these years, go travel. And here I am 23. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you're, you're okay with this? Like, you're okay with me leaving this program that I worked so hard to get into that, you know, essentially leads straight into a profession. And they were, I've never had so much support in my life, but I feel like a lot of us, you know, if you do go to college or even after, you know, whatever education you choose, it's kind of a scary time because it's just, you've had so much structure throughout your life. And now you're just like, oh wait, who am I without the titles, whether it's school or sports or whatever it may be. And here I was 23. I felt like I was spending a lot of time in high schools, doing the whole counseling role and loved it. But I was pulling from my textbook to help out these kids as opposed to life experiences. And Yeah, it was just, I never thought that I would leave. Like I said, being a homebody, I just kind of thought that I would, I don't know, choose a path and stick to it. And you kind of write out those expectations for yourself, if that makes sense, or the assumed expectations others have for you. And I just kind of released it all. And as a lot of us know with Club Med, you know, you walk in and you introduce yourself and there's nothing attached. It might be your, you know, your name tag that says water ski geo, but otherwise there's, you know, hey, I'm Carly. And there's, nothing attached to it. There's no, oh, you're so-and-so sister, so-and-so's daughter, or it's just you're you. And I feel like I needed that. I needed that independence and kind of needed to get lost in order to find myself. And that was my, my quarter life crisis of derailing my train and having a path figured out for me. And I just dropped out and, you know, it's like a (laughs) dropped out to travel the world and apparently meet the man that I was going to marry. So that's (laughs) the quick version. Yeah. I'm wondering, so when you left grad school, were you just, did you just plan a, uh, just a quick vacation to Clement? You weren't planning on applying yet. So I did apply, um, okay. and the application process, you know, just went on to Clement jobs. I did not want to utilize my parents. I really wanted to be able to get the position on my own. That was really important for me. And so I applied that summer. So it would have been summer of 2012. And then I heard back pretty quickly, but they were actually asking, they saw on my resume that I had my boaters licenses and just different certifications with boating. Cause my dad is still, he was chief of sports, but very involved with water ski. And he's actually still a world competitor in water skiing. And so it's been a big part of my mine and my sister's life. And so I had all these, you know, I don't know, additions to my resume, if you will. And so they asked if I would be willing to go to Cancun as a water ski and wakeboard geo. And I mean, I feel like that was, I was like, oh my gosh, this, of course, like, absolutely. That's not even a question, but then it just took a lot of time to get my work visa. And so it actually wasn't until February of 2013 that I finally left. So I had a good, like six to eight months where I had already decided to drop out. I had already applied, knew that I was leaving but was just in that limbo of, I think a lot of us know, just sometimes a little bit of unorganized club med. And so I knew I was heading somewhere, but was just kind of waiting for that official, hey, here's your ticket in hand, you're getting on a plane. So yeah, that was kind of kind of that whole process. And I think it frustrated my parents because they wanted to make a few calls. And I was like, no, please, like I, I really, I need to do this. I need to be able to just be 
me, I think, and not, I don't know. I feel like, like I said, coming from a small town, it was just a lot of, you know, you have those little one-ups, which again is wonderful. And I think a lot of us sometimes need those in life. I know I've utilized them many times, but with Club Med, I just really wanted to, to do it on my own. Now, usually this is the point where I ask about culture shock, but since you essentially grew up in Club Med, you knew the whole routine. You, you knew, probably knew how to do all the crazy signs. There's probably nothing that surprised you other than I'm guessing you get to Cancun. And at this point, I don't know, because of contracts, I don't think there were a lot of um, North American contracts. So I think there was only one other North American contract. And- yes. Turned out to be someone that you knew, correct? Yeah. So crazy enough. Yeah. I wouldn't say culture shock. However, I would say a little side story and not sad now, but it's comical now. When I arrived, my bags didn't arrive. And so I was like, oh, like I've traveled enough. Like I know they'll show up later. And sure enough, they show up at Club Med later that night and they're zip tied shut. And all my luggage had been stolen. And so I was like, here I am, small town girl you know, ready to take on the world. (laughs) I had nothing. And I was like, Oh, so in that moment, I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is my sign. I need to go home. But again, I think it just kind of threw me into the hole. All of a sudden, you know, Gio's, Oh my gosh, you can borrow this. You can borrow this, like no problem. And so I think for me, it just created a struggle up front, but then in the long run ended up, or even in the short run, you know, within the first couple of days, I just got to know so many people just from that little unfortunate experience, but my, so I'm going through all of my, you know, my first week there and they kept telling me there was one other American there, but he was home on vacation. So like you said, there was just two of us from the America, like from North America. So here I am, you know, getting familiar with everything. And I remember specifically it was night six. And I remember it was, you know, jean shorts, white tank top. It was Mexican night. And, you know, we have our cowboy hats and whatever. And I'm walking into the entrance of the restaurant with this wonderful family from Idaho. Like I remember who I was with and they always had like, you know, the entrance of the restaurant and there's, they give out drinks or appetizers or whatever. And this guy turns around to hand like the appetizers and drinks to the guests that I'm with. And he goes to hand one to me and we just make eye contact and we're like, he was like, Oh my gosh, I know you. And in that moment I said to myself, I was like, I'm screwed. And I don't know what it was. It just like hit me. And it was Casey who I'd met exactly a year earlier, but I didn't have social media at the time. Right. Like this was, there was Facebook, but like, it just wasn't something I had. And I just had no clue that he would have been there. Like there was nothing that would have alluded to him, to him being there. And uh, that night he ended up joining our table and we just caught up and it was that instant, like we put ourselves in the friend category right away, which not going to lie, it was not easy, but it was so perfect because it just kind of helped with having that person. And um, I've said this before, I even said it in our wedding vows, you know, when you're friends with somebody, you're so willing to like let down walls and share your, your struggles or let them in on maybe not the best parts of you. But when you're dating somebody or trying to, you know, court somebody, um, you kind of hide those things. And so our relationship was very backwards. Like we kind of went through a lot of struggles together and maybe saw not our best sides of one another. And then the walls came down months later. And so it was kind of like, you're backtracking. You're like, Oh wait, how do I, you know, how do I get cute again? Or how do I flirt? Cause we've been, you know, best friends for so many months. So just seeing that familiar face was, I will never like literally never forget walking into the restaurant, what I was wearing and just making eye contact. And we just so happened to be, yeah, the only two North Americans, which is just wild. Yes, because you're probably like, I'm 23, I'm young, I'm hot, I'm going to Cancun to party. And then you meet the guy and you're like, oh, no, right? something like that, right? Yeah, Yeah, it was, you know, and that that night, actually, I had never been to downtown Cancun. I, you know, I was only there for a week. But if you've been to Geo in Cancun, like that's just a very normal thing. Like people just take groups and go down there. And he was like, have you been downtown yet? I was like, no, I, I haven't. And sure enough, just the two of us hopped on a bus and I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, and now maybe now that I'm a mom, I look back on these things. And, and again, like I, sometimes I joke when people are like, oh, how old are you? I like unknowingly say 23. Cause it's like, oh, that's when my life ended and started. If that makes sense. And I just, I'm like, oh wait, plus 10. Like I'm definitely not 23, but I still feel like, especially maybe marrying the person that I met at that time, we still have this youthfulness to us, but I look back on some of the things that we did. And again, maybe cause I'm a parent, but I'm just like, oh, I can't believe I just got on a bus with a guy that I basically met that night, went downtown to Cancun and like 
had a blast and then love this man to death. But <laughs> apparently like the bus system stops on the way home at a certain time. We got dropped off like seven hotels down from Club Med. The sun is coming up. I'm mortified. I'm like, I'm supposed to be driving the course in, you know, 30 minutes. And here we are walking back on the beach. And to this day, it's like one of my favorite memories of just us. And yeah, we just walked back on the beach. And I was like, I remember I had my cowboy boots on and I ended up leaving them in his room because his room was a lot closer to compared to mine. And I was like, I can't run in these cowboy boots. And I threw my boots in his room and I ran to the water ski dock and I was like, all right, I'm here. And it was just, I like reflect back on it. I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? I mean, you know, 12 hours earlier, I was reintroducing myself to this guy and here I am leaving my cowboy boots in his room as I'm <laughs> running to work essentially. But yeah, I mean, looking back at something we just joke about now. And he always said that I, I eventually ended up leaving like a shoe collection in his room. And he thinks that was my, um, my way of having to call him before the evenings of like, Hey, I think I left these shoes in your room. <laughs> my little like sly way of needing to stop by. So even though you just spent a night in Cancun and nothing happened, like, and you're coming, you're coming back with sun up. Were you worried about, well, for one, walk of shame for you and walk of, walk of fame for him. Were you worried about anything? Stride of pride, stride of pride. So <laughs> we did, we did get a lot of rumors. Sure. But at the same time, I, I mean, I will say we were both in relationships at that time. So it was definitely, and we both, they were very well known. And so I will say he was so respectful of that, as was I. It was just like, I think that's what helped us out with just like, oh my gosh, I knew. But I, you know, when I say I, I saw him in the entrance of the restaurant, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I was like, I'm screwed. Like, there's just something about this guy. But I also knew that he was just going to be in my life and be somebody who was impactful. I really didn't know how. And, there, it wasn't like emotions or feelings were there. It was just kind of like, oh shoot, like this is, this could get complicated. And thankfully it just kind of went totally in the direction of such a strong friendship. And so for us, it was, it was so organic. Like we didn't really care what people were, were saying, if that makes sense. Cause it, we knew we were like, oh, there's, you know, it, it was so respectful. It was, I mean, even once we like months later, like 10 months later, once relationships from the previous ones were completely done. It was, I always joke, whenever Casey's ready to take five steps, he takes one. And so it was the most slow moving relationship I think you could ever imagine, which is so opposite, I feel like, of geo life. But I think that's also what helped me know that it was something that was different. Like both of us knew we didn't want it to just be that club med in couple. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's what I was just going to ask you. My favorite climate expression. Like, how long did you guys actually resist until you became, uh, you said 10 months? Was it 10 months? Um, 10 months was when like we had the conversation of like, okay, like there's feelings here. What's going on? And we both knew we had affectations to Turks and Caicos for the following season, which I think obviously helps out. Like, you know, you're heading in the same direction. And that was when we had that conversation, but I'm not kidding you. We, gosh, we did our entire, you know, time in Club Med, our entire time in Turks and Caicos. It wasn't until we were heading to Japan. So this was after two full seasons in Turks. And so we'd been together for about a year and a half at this point. And we were doing a road trip. We had, you know, the, a quick little break between the two seasons. And we road trip down the coast of California. And I was like, hey, like me being forward. I'm like, so how do we introduce you to people? You know, like at this point, we're like, our families know, I mean, I had already had the whole chat where Boone pulled me to the side. He came to visit in Turks and he pulled me to the side of the bar and he was like, what are your intentions with my brother? And I was mortified because I was like, oh my gosh, he knows about us. And I'd already had all these conversations with family and everything. And it wasn't until here we are, you know, a year and a half into our relationship. I was like, how do I, how do I introduce you? And he was like, well, what do you mean? And I was just really wanting him to say, I'm your boyfriend. You're my girlfriend. But as you know, like, that's just so not club med. Like we, we felt like we had both been in very, very serious relationships previously. And so we really wanted to, again, take things slow, but we had such a strong friendship. So it was really hard to make sure that we didn't ever jeopardize that. But I would definitely, I would say it was probably after our first season in Turks where at that point, like management knew all of our friends knew we had the same day off together. It was, there was no question about it, but so probably, probably a good 10 months after, you know, we had blurred lines, if you will, and had the conversation that we were 
more than friends that it was actually like, okay, this is other people can know. But Casey's so respectful of, you know, his job and of me. And he just really wanted to keep things hush hush. But I think it made it more fun. And I think it allowed us to connect better as opposed to every little question. So, but yeah, it's wild to think. And I was so, you know, me being the girl, like I was so frustrated. I was like, I just want to, you know, I just want the title and I just want to people to know that we're together, especially when you're in Turks and it's adults only. But at the same time, it was so, it was, it all worked out, right? It's perfect. And Casey always says that he always says it'll all work out. And it did. Now, when I was in Turks back then in 94, geo relationships were not encouraged. So are you saying it was okay when you went to Turks, I guess in what, 2014, you were there? So we were there. Yeah. 2014. So it was, yeah, 2013, 2014. I would not use the word. Okay. It was <laughs> the, the, like I, we always joke about the look across the bar. So I'd arrived to the bar. We did not have the same room. Uh, that was, we had separate rooms. And part of that was because our, we like really, really respect our management. They were absolutely incredible and brought us like, they came to Cancun and visited, basically gave us our affectations the week after they visited. And then we stayed in Turks with them for a year. And Casey had already worked in Turks. And so he had a lot of history there. And so I would definitely say being in couple, being in couple was not encouraged at all, but management respected us, but we also respected them. So like we would give each other what we called the look across the bar. So it was like, I knew he was thinking about me or I knew he saw me, but then we just spent our entire nights away from each other. And there was absolutely no like interaction. And then at the end of the night though, like we'd meet backstage and walk to the room or I'd meet him at his room. So he, he had a bigger room than mine because he was a chief of service. So, you know, it was, it was always venturing back to his room, but he would never give me a key. <laughs> I was like, who am I? You know? And it was, there was even mornings I would run back to my room at, you know, five in the morning, just cause you know, in Turks, the geo rooms are like right behind the guest rooms. And we just really, really for one, wanted to respect our relationship, wanted to respect management, wanted to respect the guests. But I would not say I was a fan of that at all. <laughs> I was not well, a fan. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a bit silly when you're in, because I've, I've been in relationship or in couple in Club Med. I find it odd that every geo guy or GM guy could kiss and hug your girlfriend, you know, hello or goodbye, except for you, you know? So, yes. <laughs> so 99 yes. other guys can kiss it, but you can't because I'm like, I'm your boyfriend. I always thought that part was silly. Like a hundred percent or like these, you know, people are like, getting you drinks throughout the night and you're just like watching your significant other, like do the exact same thing as you. And you're like, this is so odd. Like this is the yes, everyone's hitting on your boyfriend. You can't do anything yes. about it. except Yes. Hey. And like I said, Casey had already <laughs> been there. So yeah, Turks and- has a really high return, you know, guest return rate. And so it was yes. just like, okay. you know, these girls are, I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, Hey, <laughs> I'm just, you know, just a friend, <laughs> but you know, I hope yeah. I'm still going home with him at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So quick question. Who was your chief of village in Turks? Mike Clark. Oh, Mike Clark. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. He, uh, he came to Cancun and he, then we got to know him and just had a blast and such a great guy. And then he took us both to Turks and then he's actually the one that took us to Japan, which was, oh, okay. yeah. So we were with him or I was with him for the majority of my time with Club Med. Oh, he's from Australia, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, do you have any JoJo stories? I have to ask, since you've been at Turks uh, for a year, did you encounter JoJo? We did encounter JoJo, but I feel like I have more stories from when I was younger because I actually, oh, wild well. enough, you know, a- adults only. Yeah. Um, but my parents, my dad was interim chief of the village for three months when I was like about two. So not that I remember, but my mom said that my mom and dad both have shared that he would always go to the diving, snorkeling dock, you know, in the mornings. And I would always go over there and swim with him. And it was just back when, you know, this was gosh, 30 years ago, you know, so he was younger and obviously around people a little bit more, there was less boat traffic. And my parents said he was just always around and I would swim with him in the mornings. And so I grew up obsessed with dolphins. And I say obsessed, like I had a dolphin wind chime in my bedroom. Like we moved home from club med and I was just like, everything needs to be dolphins. So my whole life, it's just been like, he's been that little muse, if you will, for, <laughs> for my love for dolphins. So yeah. He, but then we always would see him if, you know, we went sailing or something, but I feel like when I think of Jojo, I think of the stories my parents told me when I was younger. 
Nice. And now what, yeah. what, what were you doing in uh, Turks? What was your job? Oh, when I, oh, I thought you meant when I was two, I was like, no, no, no. I, <laughs> hopefully they didn't put you to work in the mini club or something. No. And it was like, you know, my dad trying to keep me away because no kids were typically there. So I did land sports, but mostly fitness while I was there. So on the land sports team, but that's when I got into the fitness side of the land sports, which actually crazy enough, when you think about it, then sparked more of my interest in fitness and eventually we moved home. That's when I started diving into more certifications and kind of spiraling into what I do now. Now you did drop like a fun fact, number one in your intro. Okay. So it looks like sports became a very a good, a good part of your life early on. Cause you said you competed in the junior Olympics and downhill skiing. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. It was awesome. It was such an incredible experience and just something that I look back on and it. It's crazy to think that I used to compete at that level, but also, you know, it, it shaped me in so many ways. I feel like I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about discipline, but you know, when you're in the moment, you don't realize how much of an incredible experience it is. And so it's nice to be able to reflect back and have more appreciation for it. You prefer skiing on water or snow? Don't say snow. Don't say snow. <laughs> that oh, is okay. a hard one. <laughs> I, I love, I love snow skiing. I love the places it can take you in the world. That is just, I think something that is such an awesome thing about that sport is you really can, you know, everywhere you go, it's different. Whereas like water skiing, especially if you're competing, it's the same course. It's just different water. So it can still take you all over the world. But my dad, he's the incredible water skier and he's extremely competitive. I love him to death, but I think I was my sister as well. She actually went way further than I did with snow skiing, but we both, I think chose snow skiing because we felt like he couldn't compete with us in that. If that makes sense. He's a phenomenal snow skier, but never competed. And so there wasn't a quantitative value, if you will, that like we could compare competing histories. <laughs> and so I loved being able to put forth my efforts there, but not have to compare it to my dad. Whereas with water skiing, I just, I like never let myself go past my natural ability. I would do local tournaments and have a blast. But now, I mean, I would say now water sports are a bigger aspect of our life, but that's partly just because we do live on a lake. And so our summers are surfing and wakeboarding and water skiing. Not at the moment. I am very pregnant at the moment. So we are not, <laughs> I'm not partaking in that, but we, yeah. So like that, I feel like is definitely, it's our happy place. It's our joy, but it's really awesome because Casey's an incredible snowboarder. So we just have so much fun up on the mountain together. When we moved to Japan, you know, people can tell you like, Oh, I snowboard or, Oh, I ski. And it's not until you're actually out there with somebody that you're like, Oh, you actually snowboard or, Oh, you actually ski. Like he's phenomenal. And I think my abilities surprised him. And so we've had now, gosh, in our last, you know, nine years together, we've had awesome trips to Sun Valley, Idaho and Tahoe and Whistler. And just, so I think when I think of which one I prefer, it's just, we've had such awesome, I don't know, awesome memories all over the mountains. So that's been really fun. When you went to Whistler, were the Canadians nice to you? Please say yes. Yeah, always. Okay, Honestly, I don't think I've ever ran into a rude Canadian. And I feel like also we're an hour and a half from the border. So Whistler almost doesn't, it almost doesn't feel like you're going to another country, if that makes sense. Like it's just, we're so used to being able to go up, which is so wonderful. But I mean, I've done quick day trips up to Whistler, but yeah, everybody's so nice. And it kind of reminds me of Club Med because it is a melting pot of different cultures and different accents. And it kind of gets you back into that, like, Oh, where are you from? You know, and surface level conversations, but kind of fun to dive back into the cultural differences. Well, I know geographically, yeah, the landscape looks the same between Vancouver and where you live, but I guess when you cross the border, like how many Tim Hortons do you pass before you get to Whistler? <laughs> That's when you know you're in Canada. It is. That is so true. That is so true. I had a friend who was recently here and she was just like, Oh, I cannot wait to go to Tim Hortons. I was like, what? Like, and you know, it's just for me, it's like such a, a foreign thing, but yeah, that is so accurate. Now, how about time for a funny or interesting story break? Do you have any funny stories from either Cancun, your first season or Turks that anything weird, wacky, wild? Oh, gosh, happens? I feel like there's so many one that other than the night on the beach, like that first night walking around uh, or going down to Cancun, that always sticks out in my head. And then there was another night where we had taken a few families down, 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 
downtown Cancun. And uh, again, sun starts to come up and Cancun, I don't know if they still do it, but it was, they were on sun time. And so we were always an hour off of downtown. And so we got back to the resort and Casey and I had the day off and we were with a few other guys from his sailing team. And we were like, Hey, go take a quick 30 minute nap. Like we'll head over to the sailing shack and we'll set everything up. So here we are like fully clothed, but it was incredible. The moon was setting, the sun was rising and here we are putting up sail, like all the the sails at whatever hour it was. And randomly when we got done, we were heading back over to his room and Casey was like, Hey, have you ever played tennis? And he had no idea that I played like competitively. And so I was like, yeah, like, have you, I mean, this kid's athletic, right? Like he's so athletic. Like I was almost like, Ooh, should I do this? So we hop on the tennis court and it's 7am. Okay. So we've been up all night long downtown. Now we just put up the sailing, all the sails. Yeah. I don't know. And so we hop on the tennis court at 7am because I don't know. It's something that I don't know. I think it's his, his competitive side. And we start playing and he's like completely blown away that I even know what I'm doing. And I end up like hitting the ball and I just drill him in his throat. Cause he like, just didn't know what was happening. <laughs> and he just looked at me and it was just like something I can't even explain that he was like, Oh, she can play. And then we ended up stopping. He was like, okay, I think we're done. And <laughs> like to this day, I honestly think we've, we actually were just in Ixtapa a couple months ago doing a little family trip and we were going to play tennis and he was like, how about we play pickleball? Cause neither of us had played pickleball before. So we were like, we'll go on a, we'll go on a level that we can probably both compete at. But I mean, that was just like a silly random story, but it was also just like such a, if you know, Casey and his athletic ability and his level of competitiveness, it's just like doing something and then just having him be so awful at it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Oh, this is probably a good thing that I have over you, but he's gotten better. So I will give him that. Now, you said earlier that I guess Mike Clark took you guys to Japan? Yes, he did. Which, so, which, resort, uh, which resort did you go to? We Japan? were in um, Sapporo or Sahoro, so up in Hokkaido. Is that a ski village or summer village? It is. It is a ski village. So it's the island that's north of Japan, which is called Hokkaido. And the resort is called Sahoro. So we were there for winter. And then it was actually their very first summer season that they had had in five years. So... Um, the village shut down for about a month and a half in between winter and summer. We left for a month, actually went and backpacked Thailand and then came back and like set up everything for summer. You know, the trapeze rig, everything for outside, like this place had not been a summer village in five years. So we got to, got to experience that, which was a very different experience, but it was wonderful. What was your job there? I did boutique and fitness. So I was wow. kind of bummed that I wasn't allowed to instruct but for some reason my levels like my american levels for coaching didn't like they didn't go over into japan they have like different certifications and so i was pretty bummed about that but it was i would say one of the biggest learning experiences i have ever had in my life i really struggled i'm more of an extrovert and so obviously you know struggling with communication and having that barrier but then me being a very an extrovert and leading these fitness classes or welcoming you to the boutique. The Japanese is a lot more of a introverted culture. So kind, so respectful, but I just really struggled because I'm just more of, Hey, how's it going? You know, out there and ready to lead a fitness class. And it's definitely just more reserved and introverted. And so I struggled, but again, great, great learning experience. And, you know, we had such phenomenal experiences while we were over there, whether it was days off, whether it was, you know, on a quick break, going out and skiing. It was mine and Casey's first time actually like being in couple, like having the same room. So that was another learning experience. So it was just a lot of newness, if you will. We were very used to club meds and being on a beach, whether it was from vacations or working. And so that was a, that was a big, I don't know, just a big transition overall. Did you pick up any Japanese? Like, were you learning phrases? Uh, you know, unfortunately, not much. Casey, he did really, really well. In the winter, he did ski tech. And then in the summer, he was in charge of all of the land sports. So he was actually my boss in the summer, which probably didn't help out. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so he actually learned quite a bit. And 
Yeah. But unfortunately I, I also just didn't put in the effort. I feel like that was something that I, I struggled with and didn't necessarily put in the effort. It was a huge, like I said, it was just such a huge, I think that we knew we were going to be coming home too after that season. That just for me, like I, we knew we were coming home. And so I think I always had in the back of my head, I was thinking about what I was going to be doing. Once I got home, I was kind of analyzing our relationship. How was it going to work back home? And so I think I had a lot of internal distractions of like, oh, whoa, reality is coming back. And Club Med is a beautiful thing, but it is very far from reality, whether it is, I guess you could put your, you know, put forth efforts in your job, especially if you're HR or reception or, you know, really kind of tying it back to what you're going to do back at home. But I think I still had that like, oh, am I going to go back into school counseling? I just didn't know what life looked like back home and being a planner and being type A, it kind of just started taking over me. And I think that it took away from some of my experience in Japan and it definitely took away from me just being present and immersing myself there. So unfortunately I did not pick up. I mean, Samima saying, you know, I picked up a few like Ohio Gazimas, like I picked up a few words, but nothing that I would like write home about. <laughs> did you get to play the uh, Jankin, the Japanese version of rock, paper, scissors? Did no, okay. or not that I'm aware of. No. Okay. I was in Asia for a year and at the time had long blonde hair. So did were you, was there any culture shock? Like the Japanese guests, some of them come up and ask you if they could touch your hair. Oh, I was like a cartoon character. Like it was like, they wanted me in every photo and they wanted, it was just the blue eyes and the blonde hair was just such this, you know? Yeah. It was so interesting to me, but I, I, I guess I understand it was just, you know, they, I think they, I don't know. I, they always called me Jennifer. They're like, Oh, Jennifer Aniston. And I was like, that is the best. <laughs> Yeah, compliment thank you could you. ever give me. I do not look like her, but thank you so much. If that is our association with, you know, me and, and American TV, I will take it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so funny because I think it was just, you know, it's easy to, you know, everybody knows friends. And so they'd attach it with, with that. But um, yeah, it was funny because they'd just come in, you know, sending the same, you know, photo. And I was like, okay. So did that make a, did they call Casey Ross? Oh my gosh. No, I think whenever people talk to Casey, even myself, you know, they always ask where are you from? And they just instantly would say Ichiro because when we'd say Seattle and Ichiro was playing for the Mariners at the time. Oh, that's right. Um, so they, they actually like, they actually, you know, placed Seattle on a map. Like it was very prominent to them just because, you know, he was such a phenomenal baseball player and had been with us for so long. So it was kind of fun to just make that quick little, yeah, yeah, that's where we're from, you know, go Mariners. <laughs> so, you know, you're all the way across the world, but those little connections. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? I hope so. Yeah. Okay. Favorite nightclub in Cancun? We love Mandela. Mandela, Mandela okay. or Palazzo. Oh, I thought you'd say Coco Bongo. Damn it. Okay. No, no, problem. no we problem. did go to Coco Bongo a lot, but that was always with guests. But Mandela or Palazzo, I think just has some of our favorite memories. Favorite dumb question from a GM. Favorite dumb question. The Man. standard, when's it going to stop raining? That type of thing. When's the eight o'clock aerobics? You know, do you oh, gosh. Do you call I any or me, you just got them all? <laughs> oh no. For me with water ski, it was, when's the wind going to stop? And I was just like, oh, I'm not sure. You know, it was, and it just, you know, when's the wind? And that was always with water ski, you know, when, when's the wind going to stop? Or do you know when it's going to calm down? Like is this, water? Is this, is this like for a beginner? No, just anybody, you know, when you're, you're pulling the course in the mornings and they want to run the course and the wind is creating a lot of chop. It was just probably anything about the weather. On the lagoon um, side of Cancun? Was it that yeah. bad? Was it? Oh yeah. Especially when during, when was it? There was a certain time of the year that like the wind would come in the opposite direction and it okay. would just destroy the water. And you just, it was always, yeah. Do you know when the rain's going to stop? Do you know when the wind is going to stop? Do you know when the chop is going to go away? Or I mean, it, yeah, it was always about the weather and you just look at them and you're like, I have absolutely no clue. You say, you say I'm, I'm geo, not G-O-D. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Favorite crazy sign or top three crazy signs. Do you have any? Um, yes. It was a newer one. It's called push push. It's like an Akon song and it was so not uh, an original. And if it was an original, I would say hands up. I feel like that's just forever going to be a part of my heart. I can just picture my dad doing hands up and it just brings me so much joy. We did it. I think we even did it at the wedding, which is like when you're 
two geos getting married. I don't yeah. think that's allowed. <laughs> it's required. <laughs> Question for present day. Do you have a recurring dream where you are back at Club Med and you're working? Does this happen to you or you just, you don't dream or you just don't have Club Med dreams? I dream a lot, especially with pregnancy. It is a, you dream about the most wild things and yeah, you know, I do, but I feel like a lot of it is just me back on a beach. Um, it's never like a specific reoccurring dream. I feel like I like can honestly say I genuinely lived every moment of club med. And I, I am happy to say I genuinely love my life now. So I don't have a lot of like looking like constantly reliving, if that makes sense. Oh, I don't want the dream. It just keeps happening. <laughs> I'm not asking for it, but I, I've talked to a few people, myself included, that get these. So I was just curious. Yeah. Um, let's call out some people in a positive way. Okay. Were yeah. there any employees or managers or fellow GOs that you worked with that you liked working with? Or yeah. Gosh. Oh, oh my gosh. Jeff, I can never pronounce his last name. Sabapathy. He was uh, my very first LSM in Cancun that completely, him and Mike Clark completely turned around my just my outlook on club med again. I was so I, like you had asked earlier, you know, with club med, what did I think I was going to do? I genuinely thought I was going to be there for six months. That was my plan. I'd already met with my advisors at school. I was doing six months and coming back to the program and I had an incredible time, but I also struggled with that transition. And so when Jeff arrived, it was either spring or summer of my, my first season at Cancun, he knew something was like kind of brewing between Casey and I, and he was just incredible with, I don't want to say allowing that to happen, but kind of like just with the behind the scenes, the unspoken stuff. And he just brought a whole new light to my, my journey. And then Mike Clark, just with giving me a chance in Turks when I hadn't, you know, I was a water ski geo. Like I didn't have that affectation as a fitness geo and he created that space and they were just so phenomenal. And uh, yeah, I, Antonio Diaz, he, um, he's, was just on land sports with me initially. And then he ended up becoming my manager. And I feel like I probably gave him the biggest hard time ever because he knew that I was like madly in love with Casey and that I would get so frustrated when he would like, he always put me on five o'clock volleyball, which put me over at sailing. I only worked in Turks, but if he ever made me do like the six o'clock stretch or I would just get so sad. And so like, Oh my gosh, such like a little, I don't know, a little girl that just wants to like, go see the person she likes. And <laughs> I was so frustrated with him and he was incredible. Like to this day, I mean, he, him and his wife, Michelle, we are so close with them and we were at their wedding and they were at ours and we just were with them in Mexico. And so, yeah, I would say those. And then Arlie, he was one of my chief of sports and he was phenomenal. Arlie so, and Carly? Yeah. Ara, Arlie. Oh, oh okay. His last name. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. His last name is Lee, but okay. yeah, I would say that those are, you know, management wise. And then my, you know, we have our whole like best friend cl- crew. We have, you know, Thor, who's his name's Dave. We have Anita, my best friend, Emma, and then another best friend, Jen. Okay. nice. She was a choreographer. She was bar, but yeah, but yeah, I have Emma's wedding in four, three, four weeks. So Casey and I are traveling to Montreal and I'll be 35 weeks pregnant and my, my OB does not know that I'm flying international. <laughs> so you say you're coming to Montreal, 35. Yes. 35 pregnant. weeks pregnant. How, how much I, is that in months? Sorry. Okay. I'm, um, not, I'm not I good will, at math. I mean, it'll be, it'll be five weeks from delivery. So I'll be eight and a half months pregnant. Ooh, so you might have a Canadian baby. No, just kidding. Yeah. So technically <laughs> you aren't supposed to fly after 36 weeks. So okay. I'm cutting wow. it close, but all right. Now, yeah. uh, if we have a, a chance to talk about your fun fact, number three, you have your very own podcast called crazy over easy first, maybe, I don't know if you can explain the title. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Hunter Hayes song. I want crazy. Like I've kind of mentioned briefly in this pod or in this episode, nothing in mine and Casey's life or relationship has come easy. It's been absolutely incredible. And the opposite of what a fairy tale essentially is from a Nicholas Sparks or a Disney perspective, but it's been so awesome. And so the song that I walked down the aisle to was a remake of the Hunter's song, I Want Crazy. And the, the lyrics say, I want crazy. I don't want easy or I don't want easy. I want crazy sorry, reversing that. And so when things, when Casey and I got married again, nothing has come easy in our relationship. And I was like, gosh, you know, I feel like we always 
like life is just so crazy for us. And one day I was just sitting in our old house and journaling and I just kind of was drafting on this little logo app. And I just wrote like crazy over easy, almost like a division sign. And so our whole thing has been like, we have it above our bed where it says, I don't want easy. I want crazy. And so our whole life has kind of been to, I guess, to accept the struggles and appreciate the struggles. Our whole motto has been, we choose crazy over easy or choosing crazy over easy. So that, yeah. So the podcast just kind of stems from appreciating the struggles in life and embracing the unexpected as opposed to letting them completely derail you. Cause like, obviously when I got completely derailed and dropped out of grad school, you know, you can look at it as a time that you're lost, but essentially you have to lose yourself to find yourself. So yeah, that's kind of the, the concept behind the title and the podcast. And you have roughly how many episodes so far? Oh my gosh. Like- I think I just recorded my like 144th episode yeah so that's your it's been over two years then that you've had um you've had your podcast right yeah 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 i actually intro right now i don't know if you're playing it okay (laughs) in addition you have your own health and wellness website correct which uh, i will put all the links to your to your website in the uh, episode description Uh, in addition you have your own your very own health and wellness website so where did you get the idea to to do this Yeah. So stemming back to club med, honestly, it was, you know, getting into fitness from the club med side of things. And then when I was in Japan, kind of mentioned just kind of losing myself again, getting back into the type A planning mode. And I got into my own health and fitness journey, actually with my, my best friend, Emma, that I mentioned earlier, I had kind of, I'd gotten to a point where I had pushed aside all of health and fitness when it comes to club med. Yes, I was instructing and teaching fitness every day, but I wasn't on my own personal journey. And so I finally kind of dove into it within my, my last season at club med. I was just really unhappy with kind of who I was becoming in terms of, I think focusing too much on, you know, getting back into reality. And so this allowed me to kind of harness an energy, if that makes sense. I feel like when you're on a journey or if you're trying to accomplish something, it gives you an area, an outlet, a focus. And so I dove into the health and fitness side of things so that I could become a better version of myself and hopefully, you know, move home and start a life with Casey. And I just felt like I had to feel good in my skin and have a little more of a direction. And so I actually started an Instagram account with my girlfriend, Emma, and it was solely because we had to you had to show your photos on social media and we didn't want anybody to know. So we created this fake account or like this um, hidden account, if you will. And we ended up, it slowly grew. And then when I moved back home, that was when I actually dove into it further, learned more about it, started getting into weightlifting. And I'm somebody that if I'm doing something, I like to learn more about it. So I hired a coach actually started doing bikini prep competitions. And then during that time, I got my own certifications because again, I really liked to understand why I was doing what I was doing. And so I got into coaching and I did a, uh, did a couple of bikini preps and a couple of com- competitions. And since then I have definitely gone a little bit more into what I think a lot of people don't look at is health and fitness are two entirely different things. So in the last few years, my health has been more of like mental, emotional, and then you have your physical health, but also then your fitness. So just furthering education. And then I, from all of there have, yeah, created a website and a blog and my social media presence is kind of all about my journey and now about helping others. And I, in a weird backwards way, I feel like you know, this, this draw and desire to become a school counselor was to help others. And I am now doing that just in a different context. So yeah, my website is very lifestyle based. That is more, I loved my competition side of life, but I have ventured more into sustainability and kind of encompassing the whole journey. So it's the mental, emotional, and physical, and not just the quantitative goal of being a small, smaller size or having the number on the scale represent how you should feel that day. So uh, it's, it's kind of evolved with my life. I feel like it was, you know, a little more intense before I had kiddos and then going through a few pregnancies and it's been definitely a journey, but an incredible one. And I've been able to connect with so many people over 
the last, gosh, I started my Instagram in 2015, but started my business in 2017. So it's been about five years of running my business and seeing all the evolution over, over time. And just to even see like where Casey and I are at now and, and to see just how all of it has kind of transpired through the business evolving. And I understand you published a book and it will be out tomorrow, correct? Yes. I cannot believe that is even real life. Yeah. So I started writing a book about three years ago and finished it a little over a year ago. And I didn't realize how long the publishing process takes, (laughs) but it has been an incredible experience. And it's actually it's kind of interesting because my, my journaling is what prompted my podcast. My podcast is what prompted my book. And so my book is actually titled choosing crazy over easy. So it's diving further into a lot of the topics that I talk about on my podcast, but putting a little bit more of, I don't want to say like real life experiences into it, but just diving deeper behind the emotional side of it. And I don't know about anybody listening, but I have read so many self-help books and a lot of them probably were stemmed from my time in Club Med where it's just this glorified reality, right? And I think sometimes when I have struggled in the last, gosh, six to seven years with being home, I sometimes look at the negatives and look at the struggles and don't know how to analyze them or don't know where they fit into my life. And so the book is within the self-help category, but it's not a how-to and there's no answer. I feel like a lot of self-help is from point A to point B or sorry, what the reflecting back of when you're at point B, you're reflecting back on how you got there. And this is more just about the journey from point A to point B and appreciating those struggles and very similar to the the voice that you hear in my podcast. And yeah, it's releasing tomorrow. Uh, So I'm doing releasing tomorrow for my website. It's a very, very select few books that are releasing uh, or quantity. And then in two weeks, it is uh, available on Amazon, which is just I like just even saying this out loud. I, you know, when you just work on something for so long and I don't know if it's hit me yet. I mean, Casey didn't want to see anything. Like it's been, you know, three years in the works and he just saw it for the ver- first time at the beginning of July, once I actually received the hard copy, but I'm so proud. And it's, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I feel like it's something that will really impact others. I really want it to be, you could pick it up, read a chapter and close it and just be like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not alone as opposed to, okay, shoot, I need to grab my, my, my to-do list or I need to grab my notepad and take down these notes that I can implement this tomorrow. That's so wonderful. I love books like that, but I know sometimes when I am in the thick of a new transition in life or a new season, I sometimes just want to know I'm not alone in those struggles. So I think it's awesome. Uh, A lot of the messages I talk about, it's a book that you could probably pick up every year and the messages will impact you differently than it did the year before, just depending on the season of life you're in. This is awesome. Thanks. I will. Yeah. So everyone, I'll be putting uh, the links uh, to her podcast, which please download, don't listen to download the episodes and we'll put the uh, link to the health and wellness website where you can get the book first and then the link to, to Amazon. I have two questions for you if you still have time. Yeah, of course. We share a favorite movie called Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. Do you have uh, a favorite scene or moment or is it Cousin Ed your favorite? Like who, what is it about this movie yeah. that we love it so much? I <laughs> Oh gosh. So I think for me, it stems from just memories when I was a kiddo, I would always go over to my cousin's house like a couple nights before uh, Christmas. And we would always watch Christmas vacation. And my cousins knew every single word, every word. And they are six, six and eight years older than me. And so I think I just looked at this and I was like, Oh, they're so cool. Like they know every word of this movie. And it just was ingrained in me that like, this was something that you just have to know. It's just a part of you. And I, and like, I love it so much. When I first met Casey, there was random uh, stations on, on like when you at Club Med in Cancun that would just repeat movies for like a week. And for some reason, Christmas Vacation was on for like a solid week in the middle of you know August. And Casey would call me at 2 a.m. because I didn't have a TV in my room. Like, hey, Christmas Vacation is on. And I didn't know, but his family watches Christmas Vacation every Thanksgiving. And so, it, and it's always, I think for me, it's the one-liners of that movie that somehow work their way into your life. Like, like, like what? I, I mean, when you're 
when the toilets like, when the whatever, toilets backed up do you use the that? toilets got like okay. yes shitter's full you know okay. but for me it's also when like whenever I ask Casey to do something or, or whatever you know he starts to repeat all of rest you know oh, I have to wash the car and, you have to feed the dog, you know? and it's just like that is in our daily conversation I'm like excuse me and I was like you cannot use my own favorite movie against me but I like there's just so many you know obviously Uncle Eddie is just amazing but I he actually I think I think I don't know if there's photos but I think Boone actually dressed up as him one year for something and he had like the full-on you know the like turtleneck tuck in is that what it is you know like, oh the yeah the dicky they, uh, they call the dicky yeah the uh yes. they dress up as cousin cousin eddie okay is what yes. you're saying yeah okay yes and it's just like not even a full turtleneck and you're like wait is that like what is that but well let me ask you you yeah. i seen your instagram you have some cute dogs do any of your dogs have a bit of the mississippi leg hound in them <sighs> no well you know what i mean <laughs> Word I, of last advice, night, I, well last night actually this is so funny my my in-laws are here and we um we're eating potatoes and like I had like burnt the potatoes a little bit. And I instantly thought of uncle Eddie at the dinner table when he's just chomping on the dried Turkey. And I just like, I was like, I'm so sorry, you guys, like I cannot unhear uncle Eddie right now. And my dogs are asleep under the table. I'm just like waiting for one of them to like, Oh, just a bone. No, like half <laughs> yeah. of a bone. I'm just like, it just so like, I swear every day, something from that movie, you know, or like we always say a prayer before dinner with our little almost two-year-old. And I always think of, you know, the blessing, like when they're saying, telling her, to, <laughs> do you want to say grace? Grace died 30 years ago, the blessing. And so I feel like, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just such a. And at Christmas, a, does anyone, when you're carving the turkeys, they wouldn't ask you to save the neck for them. <laughs> I feel like if somebody did, it would be like, a, it would be Casey or his dad or something just to, just okay. to throw the movie in there. <laughs> okay. I better stop. Cause I can talk about crucifixion for six hours. I know. Uh, one last question. So usually I ask everyone this last. So of all the seasons you did in all the villages, was there one season that was special to you that was magical? Like, can, or did you like them all the same for different reasons? Or was there one that stood out? I would probably say there's two. I mean, my second season at Cancun, just because, like I said, with just some of those like monumental uh, managers, I feel like I just saw a whole new view. And then I have, was also just coming into my own, if that makes sense. I just felt independent and confident and, you know, going from such a huge like plan for my life to then, you know, being totally just, I don't know, more present. That was such a, like I was such a personal growth time for me. So that was very memorable. And then I don't think anybody who's worked in Turks can't say Turks. I mean, it was just from the memories to the water, to the random late nights. I mean, speaking of like, you know, funny stories or memorable stories, Casey, one time him and another sailing guy, like we took the sailboats in the middle of the night down to another hotel and snuck into the pools and just things that I'm like, how, what, how did we, how did we do these things? Like, how did we not get in trouble? What were we thinking? But also in the moment, it was just like the best ideas. Like, yes, let's go rig up the sails and, you know, sail down to, to Grace Bay and hop in the pool when you could walk the beach and it would probably be a lot quicker, <laughs> but yeah, I would definitely probably say my second season at Cancun and then yeah, probably, probably my second season at Turks. Cause that was also when Casey and I finally were official. Excellent. Well, yeah. I, I thank you so much for, uh, for sharing your story and, and, and because of that, I mean, am I, before I let you go, am I forgetting to ask you anything? Is there anything you wanted to say? Cause you've been so kind with your time. I don't want to let you go unless I mean, did we cover Gosh. a lot? No, I don't think okay. so. We covered, you know, so much. I just appreciate, you know, it's so fun to relive this and, uh, you know, to kind of even hear some of your other episodes and to be able to connect with, you know, I always say that people can have different journeys, but you can still resonate with one another. And I think it's so fun to have very different club med experiences with so many individuals, but be able to resonate because you're like, oh my gosh, yep. Like I have a very similar memory or, you know, even you asking, you know, the favorite nightclub, it's like, I'm sure if you've worked in Cancun or if you've been there, like everybody has their, their memory somewhere. And so it's just so fun to think back on it and yeah, it's awesome. Well said, well put, could not have put it better myself. Thank and you. Uh, thanks again so much for coming on my first season and sharing your story with us. Of course. Thank you for having me. Everyone that was Carly Dell and we'll see you all next week. Say bye Carly. Bye.